Chapter Seventeen of Raspberry Jam by Carolyn Wells. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Hanlon's Ambition. An important feature of Lemmingstone's efficiency was his ability to make use of the services of others. In the present case, he skillfully utilized both Shane and Driscoll's energies and received their reports diplomatically concealing the fact that he was making tools of them and letting them infer that he was merely their co-worker also he depended greatly on fibsy's assistance the boy was indefatigable and he did errands intelligently and made investigations with a minute attention to details that delighted the heart of his master young maguire had all the natural attributes of a detective and under the tuition of fleming stone was advancing rapidly when assisting stone on a case the two usually lived together at some hotel stone going back and forth between there and his own home which was now in a westchester suburb it was part of the routine that the two should breakfast together and plan the day's work these breakfasts were carefully arranged meals with correct appointments for stone had the boys good at heart and was glad to train him in deportment for his own sake but also he desired that fibsy should be presentable in any society as the pursuit of the detective calling made it often necessary that the boy should visit in well-conducted homes fibsy was therefore eating his breakfast after the most approved formula when stone said well fibs how about sykes and barton now for the tale of your call on willie hanlon yesterday i went down there mr stone but i didn't see hanlon he was out but i did a lot better i saw mr barton of sykes and barton and i got an earful it seems friend willie has ambitions in what line upward like the gentleman in the poetry book he wants to go higher higher ever higher aeroplane no not that way steeplejack painting spires not only spires but signs in high places dangerous places and you know mr stone he told us that day at the embry house that he didn't climb that he painted signs and let other people put them up yes well what of it only this why did he try to deceive us why mr barton says he's a most daring climber he's practicing to be a human fly a human fly is that a new circus stunt you know what i mean you have seen a human fly perform haven't you oh that chap who stood on his head on the coping of the woolworth building to get contributions for the red cross work yes i remember he wasn't handling was he no sir 
he was the original or one of the first ones there are lots of human flies now they cut up tricks all over the country and willie hanlon is practicing for that but he doesn't want it known all right i won't tell his guilty secret is safe with me now you are laughing at me mr stone all right just you wait and hanlon goes around on a motorcycle too he does then we are undone what a revelation and now phibbs if you will explain to me the significance of hanlon's aspiring ambitions and his weird taste for motorcycles i'll be obliged phibsy was extremely even absurdly sensitive to irony sometimes it didn't affect him seriously and then again he would be so hurt and embarrassed by it that it fairly made him unable to talk in this instance it overcame him utterly and his funny little freckled face turned red and his eyes lost their eagerness and showed only chagrin come come said stone regretting his teasing but determined to help the boy overcome his sensitiveness to it brace up phibs you know i meant no harm forgive a chap can't you and begin all over again i know you have something in your noddle and doubtless something jolly well worth while well i oh wait a minute mr stone i'm a fool but i can't help it when you come at me like that i lose all faith in my notions for it's only a notion and a crazy one at that and well sir you wait till i have worked it up a little further and if there's anything to it i'll expound now what's my orders for today phibsy had an obstinate streak in his makeup and fleming stone was too wise to insist on the boy's expounding just then instead he said pleasantly today phibs i want you to make a round of the drug stores it's not a hopeful job indeed i can't think it can amount to anything but have a try at it you remember mr hendricks had the earache i do indeed he had it a month ago and what's more he denied it at first yes well use your discretion for all it's worth and get a line on the doctor that prescribed for him it was a bad case you know and find out what he got to relieve him and where he got it yes sir say mr stone is mr hendricks implicated do you think in the murder why he was in boston at the time a man can't be in two places at once can he he cannot he has a perfect alibi hasn't he mr stone he sure has fibsy and yet he was in the party that discussed the possibility of killing people by the hennebane route yes sir but so was mr patterson miss de cernay said so the patterson business must be looked into 
i will attend to that to-day i will also see mr elliot about the matter of personal loans that mr embry seemed to be conducting as a side business yes do please mr stone it would be a first-class motive if mr embry had a strangle-hold on somebody who owed him a whole lot and couldn't pay and fine motive my boy but how about opportunity you forget those bolted doors and mr patterson had borrowed money of mr embry how do you know that i heard it oh well i got it from one of the footmen of the apartment house footmen oh, what do you mean you know there is a lot of employees porters rubbishmen doormen hallmen pages and lord knows what i lump them all under the title of footmen anyway one of those persons told me for a consideration a lot about the private affairs of the tenants you know mr stone those footmen pick up a lot of information overhearing here and there and from the private servants kept by the tenants that's true fibs there must be a mine of information available in that way there is sir and i caught on to a good deal and specially i learned that mr patterson is in the faction or whatever you call it that didn't want mr embry to be president of that club and so do you think mr patterson had a hand in the murder stone's face was grave and there was no hint of panther in his tone so fibsy replied earnestly well he is the man who has lots of empty jam jars go down in the garbage pails but he has lots of children yes sir four oh well i suppose a good many people like raspberry jam go on fibsy don't be discouraged as i have often told you one scrap of evidence is worth considering a second against the same man is important and a third is decidedly valuable yes sir that's what i'm banking on you see mr patterson now his overhead and ears in debt to embry he was against embry for club president he was present at the hanabane discussion and he is an habitual buyer of raspberry jam some counts and fleming stone looked thoughtful but not entirely convincing how did he get in you know his apartment is directly beneath the embry apartment but two floors below might as well be ten floors below how could he get in somebody got in mr stone you know as well as i do that neither mrs embry nor miss ames committed that murder we must face that nor did ferdinand do it i'll go you all those assumptions all right sir then somebody got in from the outside how mr stone 
haven't you ever read detective stories where a murder was committed in a room that was locked and double locked and yet somebody did get in and the fun of the story is guessing how he got in fiction my boy is one thing fact is another no sir they are one and the same thing all right son have it your own way now if you're ready to get ready skittle off to your chain of drug stores and run down a hennebane purchased by any citizen of this little old town or adjacent boroughs fibsy went off he had recovered from the sense of annoyance at being chaffed by stone but it made him more resolved than ever to prove the strange theory he had formed he didn't dignify his idea by the name of theory but he was doggedly sticking to a notion which he hoped would bring forth some strange developments and speedily laying aside his own plans for the moment he went about stone's business and had little difficulty in finding the nearby druggist whom hendricks frequently patronized ovid hendricks sure he trades here said the dapper young clerk he buys mostly shaving cream and toothpaste but here's where he buys it righto and say a month or so ago he bought some hyacinth oh no excuse me he did not that's not salt hit or miss but maybe you mean hyoscyamine that's another thing why maybe i do look up the sale can't you and make sure why should i fibsy explained that in the interests of a police investigation it might be better to acquiesce than to question why and the young man proved obliging so terence mcguire learned that ovid hendricks bought some hyoscyamine on a doctor's prescription about a month ago the same to be used to relieve a serious case of earache but there was no record of his having bought hyoscyarnus which was the deadly hennebane used in the medicine dropper nor was there any other record of hyoscyamine against him satisfied that he had learned all he could fibsy continued his round of drug store visits in an ever winding circle but got no information on any hennebane sales whatever nothing doing he told himself whoever squirted that hennebane from that squirter into that ear brought said hennebane from a distance which to my mind indicates a far-seeing and intelligent reasoning power his present duty done he started forth on his own tour of investigation he went to a small boarding-house in an inconspicuous street the address of which had been given him by mr barton and asked for mr hanlon he ain't home declared the frowning landlady who opened the door i know it returned fibsy nonchalantly but i gotta go up to his room a minute he sent me 
How do I know that? That's so. How do you know? Phipps's grin was sociable. Well, look here. I guess this will fix it. I'm an errand boy to... You know who? He winked mysteriously. To the man he takes his acrobatic lessons off of. Oh, the woman looked frightened. Hush up. It's all right. Only don't mention no names. Go upstairs. Third floor front. Yup. And Fibsy went quietly up the stairs. Hanlon's room was not locked, but a big wardrobe inside was, and nothing else was of interest to the visitor. He picked at the lock with his knife, but to no avail. As he stood looking wistfully at the wardrobe door, a cheerful voice sounded behind him. I'll open it for you. What do you want out of it? Fibsy looked up quickly to see Hanlon himself smiling at him. Quick to take a cue, the boy didn't show any embarrassment, but putting out his hand said, How do you do, Mr. Hanlon? Fine. How's yourself? And why the sneak visit, my boy? Fibsy looked his questioner square in the eye and then said, Oh, well, I suppose I may as well speak right out. You sure may. Either tell the truth or put up such a convincing lie that I will think it's the truth. Go ahead. Here goes then. Fibsy made a quick decision that Hanlon was too keen to stand for any lie. I am engaged on the Embry murder case. I know that's true, though it's hard to believe. Fibsy chose to ignore this dig and went on. I am here because I want to see how you are mixed up in it. Oh, you do? Why not ask me? All right, I ask you. How are you connected with the murder of Sanford Embry? Will anything I say be used against me? Hanlon's tone was jocular, but he was staring hard at Fibsy's face. If it's usable, was the nonchalant reply. Well, use it if you can. I am mixed up in the matter, as you put it, because I am trying to find the murderer on my own account. Why do you want the murderer on your own account? I didn't agree to answer more than one question, but I will. I don't want the murderer particularly, but I'm interested in the case. I've the detective instinct myself, and I thought if I could track down the villain, I might get a reward. Is there one offered? Not that I know of. But I dare say either Mr. Elliot or Mr. Hendricks would willingly pay to have the murderer found. Why those two? Why not Mrs. Embry? Innocent child, those two are deeply, desperately, darkly in love with the, the widow. Let's leave her out of this. Ha ha ha. A squire of dames, eh? 
and at your age all right leave the lady's name out but i have confessed my hidden purpose now tell me what brings you to my domicile on false pretenses and why do i find you on the point of breaking into my wardrobe truth does it i wanted to see if i could find a false beard and a white turban oh you did and what good would that do you you have cleverly discerned that i assumed an innocent disguise in order to give aid and comfort to a most worthy dame of advanced years you did but why are you poor pry you will drive me crazy with your eternal why all right go crazy then but why the same old reason and hanlon spoke seriously i'm trying as i said to find the embry murderer and i contrived that session with the old lady in hopes of learning something to help me in finding him and did you i learned that she is harmless but none the less positively demented woman i learned that she deceives herself in a way hypnotizes herself and she believes she sees and hears things that she does not see and hear and tastes them and smells them there too she deceives herself surely you don't take in that story of her vision i believe she believes it yes so do i now look here maguire i'm a good-natured sort and i'm willing to overlook this raid of yours if you will join forces i can help you but only if you are frank and honest in whacking up with whatever info you have i know something you know something will you go on in cahoots i would mr hanlon and fibsy looked regretful if i was my own boss but you see i am under orders i am f stone's helper and i will tell you what he says i may and that's all that goes i don't want any more than your boss lets you spill and now honest what did you come here for to look in that wardrobe as i said why bless your heart child you are welcome to do that hanlon drew a key from his pocket and flung the wardrobe door wide there you are go to it swiftly but methodically fibsy took down every article of wearing apparel the wardrobe contained glanced at it and returned it hanlon looking on with amused expression on his face any incriminating evidence he said at last as fibsy hung up the final piece of clothing not a scrap was the hearty reply if i don't get more evidence often somebody else than i do from you i will go home empty-handed let me help you 
and Hanlon spoke kindly. I'll hunt evidence with you. Some day, maybe, I've got today all dated up. And say, why did you tell me you wasn't a stable jack painter when you are? You're right, I am. But I don't want it known, because I'm going to branch out in a new field soon, and I don't want that advertised at present. I know. Mr. Barton told me. You're going to be a human fly and cut up pranks on the edges of roofs of skyscrapers. Hush, not so loud. Yes, I am. But the goal is far distant. But I'm going to have a whack at it. And I know I can succeed in time. Hanlon's eyes had a faraway, hopeful look, as if gazing into a future of marvelous achievement in his chosen field. Oh, I say, boy, it's glorious, this becoming expert in something difficult. It pays for all the work and training and practice. The true artist ambition rang in his voice, and Fibsy gazed at him fascinated, for the boy was a hero worshipper and adored proficiency in any art. When are you going to exhibit? He asked eagerly. A little try at it next week. Wanna come? Don't I? Where? Hush, I'll whisper. Philadelphia. I'll be there. Let me know the date and all. Yes, I will. Must you go? Here's your hat. Fibsy laughed, took the hint, and departed. What a feller, he marveled to himself as he went on his way. Oh, gee, what a feller. End of chapter 17